Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We often believe that freedom comes through having no constraints or boundaries, but this belief often causes greater discontent and anxiety than we realize. Our new sermon series, Boundaries of Freedom, is a fresh look at the Ten Commandments and how they bring us freedom to live life abundantly. Today, we will recognize that God gives us the freedom to be human. But we're beginning this new sermon series today called Boundaries of Freedom. And if you think that boundaries of freedom sounds like a contradiction, I would understand that, right? Um, You and I live in a world that's really based in freedom, right? We have this idea that, uh, well, we we have the society where you and I have the ability to maybe choose our careers. We can choose the people that we marry. We can choose our way of living. We can choose our values. We can choose who we worship. We can choose pretty much anything. We live in a world of freedom. But the thing about freedom is that you think that freedom is based in not having any boundaries, right? You don't have to tell me what to do. I can decide what I want for myself. That is the freedom that we feel like we have. We can do whatever it is that we want to do. We can make goals. We can work towards this purchase. We can do all of these things. We are sold that true freedom is having the freedom to do what you want, be who you want to be, earn whatever amount you want to earn, and live how you want to live. But it's interesting, friends, that in such a free society that we live in, that it seems like a lot of people aren't happy. It seems like There's a lot of people who have all these freedoms, and yet, as a society as a whole, there are some very alarming statistics about who we are and all the freedoms that we have. For example, we have the choice to work and do whatever career we want to do, and yet, many people work more than 40 hours a week, and 70% of households have both parents working full-time. 70% of households have to have full-time jobs in order to get enough to provide for the family. But we have the choice of our career. We have the choice of doing what we love to do. Even though you and I have the the ability to be who we want to be or choose what we want to do, 18% of our population suffers from anxiety. 8.7% of women and 5.3% of men suffer from depression. You and I have the ability to choose our spouse or the partner that we want to be with for the rest of our lives, and yet our divorce rate is 50%. So the freedoms that you and I have, and we sometimes celebrate to ad nauseum... (laughs) don't seem to be providing us, friends, true freedom. We seem to be bound and enslaved by the things that we want or the things that we desire, the things that we're hoping for. It's like almost all these freedoms haven't given us the freedom we've been looking for. (laughs) 
Maybe Soren Kierkegaard, a, a Christian philosopher, is right. He talks about freedom and, and, and its correlation to, to how we feel. And he comes out and says this, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. In other words, I have the ability to choose and do and everything's on me. Well, when everything's on you, guess what happens? You begin to feel anxious. You begin to recognize that there, the pressure is all on you. You are totally accountable for every little thing that you believe, everything that you say, everything that you do. So maybe freedom without boundaries really isn't freedom at all. The good news, friends, is that God who created us, God who loves us, God who knows us intimately, knew us before we were born, knows the number of hairs that you and I have on our heads, knew this about us. And he created a better way for us to live. And it involves boundaries. But here's the beautiful thing about God, okay? Even though God gives boundaries to live a freeing life, a, a life of freedom, he doesn't force us to live it. God has always given humanity the freedom to accept him and to accept his way or not. Because God loves us. God understands that love doesn't come through coercion or manipulation. Love comes through the radical act of giving yourself to somebody. And God has given himself and his way to us. At the risk of us saying, no thanks. So today, before Jesus came into the world, thousands of years beforehand, God began to show what these boundaries of freedom are. And a lot of people look at these boundaries of freedom and they look at it as a list of prohibition, a list of rules, a list, a list of things. If I just follow this, I'll have a good moral life. But whenever you begin to how many of us remember being kids and remember having rules put onto us? And how many of you want to break the rule? Because, hey, all my teens are honest. Thank you, teens. Teens are upstairs right now, and they're like, yeah, I know the rules, and I want to break them. <laughs> Humans love to break rules. And the problem is, is that these boundaries of freedom that God gave us when they are presented in a way of a list of do's and don'ts, when they're listed as prohibitions or whatever you want to call it, we miss, we miss what God was trying to do for his people. And we miss what God was trying to do for us. And so today, in the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. I hesitate to say commandments because, again, you have the freedom to do them or not. These ten commandments, a lot of people see as, well, we need to put them up and people just need to follow them and we need to comply. But the reality is the ten commandments is actually rooted in freedom. And we miss it 
so often when we read this passage. Because quite frankly, the Ten Commandments were not given in a vacuum where God just says, I'm just going to drop two big stone tablets from the heavens. There's a whole relationship between God and the people who he gives these commandments to before the commandments come. And when you begin to recognize how the people who received these commandments saw God, you begin to see that the Ten Commandments were for us to have the most free life. They give us boundaries to live a free life, friends. And so we're going to take portions, and we're going we're to look at the Ten Commandments not ten weeks in a row. We're going to look at the themes of how these commandments free us from something we think we have to be. It's going to be completely different than probably what you've ever heard before. But it's true. God gave the Ten Commandments for the best life, abundant life possible, friends. So, before we look at the first group of commandments, we need to understand the context of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is found in the Exodus. That's in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant of per se. And you have to understand that the Ten Commandments wasn't just given to all the world, it was given to a specific group of people, the blessed nation of Israel. Not, not nation like you and I think today, but rather a people, a nation of people. And they didn't really have a home. In fact, they came under occupation by a guy named Pharaoh who saw himself as a god and said he was god. And so he in his great power, takes the Israelites and he enslaves them and he impresses them. And he says, this is how the world works. You work, I reap the rewards. This is what God is like. You do what I tell you to do and I get all of the riches and all of the glory. But Pharaoh was a man. And God sees his people suffering. And God sends a man named Moses to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. Otherwise, my God will show you what he's capable of. And Pharaoh doesn't let him go for a while. Well, God begins to show these amazing miracles, plagues to Egypt, but miracles to those in Israel. And finally, Pharaoh Let's them go. God liberates the people, the, Isra the people of Israel from slavery, from oppression. And then he takes them into the wilderness, not the nice green wilderness, the desert wilderness, where every, there's, it's hard to get food, it's hard to, but you have an entire nation of people, and they're wondering, how are we going to live in the wilderness, in the desert? And guess what God does? He shows up and he provides for them. He brings them food and he brings them water. And he provides in a great way for 40 years. So God has shown himself before the Ten Commandments come into play as a liberator and as a provider. The identity of God isn't you do all of this and I get everything. Rather, I give myself to you. I liberate you. I provide for you. Now, hey, I want you to be my people. And that's when they get to Mount Sinai and he begins this covenant, 
this covenant that involves the Ten Commandments. And this covenant is a mutual relationship for saying, I'm your God and you will be my people. Here's how you be my people. I have blessed you to be a blessing to others. Here is how you begin to be a blessing to me and to others. This is how you live this out. This is how you live a liberated life, friends. And that's when we get to the Ten Commandments. We're going to read the first two verses in Exodus chapter 20. And I cannot stress this enough. I want you to notice what God says first. Before God even says, hey, y'all need to do this. God says something very, very peculiar to remind them and us of who he is. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. It will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's like God is saying, hey, I am your liberator. I have brought you new life. I have brought you freedom. The entire, these next 10 statements, these next 10 commandments are in the context of me freeing you for a new life. These are words of liberation, not words of prohibition. These are words of providence, not words of, well, you better get in line. These aren't words of discipline. These are words of freedom. I think I've got a, I've got a slide for that, right? Before God speaks boundaries into his people's life, he assures him his identity as liberator and provider. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you think to yourself, so why does the Ten Commandments have anything to do with you and me because we're not in Israel? We're not the ancient people of Israel. Why does this have anything to do with me? We didn't go through the Exodus, so how do these words really ring true today? Well, we follow Jesus, who we believe to be the Son of God, who is one with the same God who speaks in this moment. And this Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who died 2,000 years ago, who resurrected 2,000 years ago, said something very peculiar in the midst of his teachings. He said, look, all the law and all the prophets, the law being the Ten Commandments and everything before it, and all the prophets are in me. And it's summed up through one commandment, love God, love neighbor. And so the Ten Commandments speak forth into our free life that we have through Christ. Jesus freed us from sin and death and for a new life. And so to love God and to love neighbor is to live a specific way, to be free to live a specific way. So the Ten Commandments is the how to the what. Love God, love your neighbor. The Ten Commandments is sort of how we begin to live out that life of love and of freedom in Christ Jesus, friends. So the Ten Commandments is still applicable to us, even though we're not in Israel. 
And these boundaries, friends, will help us have a vision for what God has freed us from in our daily lives, friends. So, let's look at the first three commandments that we're going to look at this, in this series, and we will begin to understand what these three commandments tell us about God, how we can relate with God, but also what it frees us from. Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 3 now, we're going to read these words. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God and I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord's, your God's name as if it were no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. The first three commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol or worship any idols. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to break them down really briefly and what these truly mean. First one, do not have, you must have no other gods before me. I want you to notice something. God admits that in the world around the Israelites, there are other gods that people worship. And what he says is, none of them shall come before me. You have to understand that in the ancient world, there were gods like Pharaoh who had just oppressed them for hundreds of years. They were gods in the form of statues. But most of the time, people appeased gods for the two things that they needed the most, food and kids, crops and fertility. And you have to understand, these other gods that were all around them basically said, hey, this is how you get kids. This is how you get crops. Do this kind of worship, and you'll get it. But everything about God in the Exodus is completely counter to that. You see, friends, God liberated the people of Israel first. God provided for the people of Israel first. He has freely given himself to these people. And he did not ask anything of them up front. He gives himself. That freedom is still there. And what basically God is saying is that he is their liberator and he is to be the only God for them. Don't go running to this God over here for child, for child rearing. And don't go to this God over here for crops. In our world... Gods don't look like statues very often. They look like other things, like certain aspirations or certain kinds of influence in the world. Or maybe it's ourselves. There's all kinds of gods that vie for our attention and our energy. 
But what God is saying to the Israelites and what Jesus says, I am the way. There are no other gods to be brought into this life. I'm it. I am everything to you or I'm nothing to you. I got a slide for this one. All of Israel's life is to be around the loyalty to Yahweh. Different gods are not to be factors for different parts of life. You go to God for all parts of life. All of life is around Yahweh alone. So that's what the first commandment really means, friends. That loyalty is to be with God and God alone. And don't bring these other influences and worldviews and factors and religious things. Don't bring it in. I'm it. God is it. Secondly, do not make idols. And you and I, again, think this is a little weird because we don't have a lot of statues around. But what this is really about is bowing before an image of God that doesn't fully represent God. At the beginning of the Exodus, God reveals himself and his name to be, I am what I am. I will be who I will be. I was who I was. There's no, there's no grammatical past, present, future in Hebrew. So legitimately, when you see God's name, and in your translations, anytime that you see Lord in the Old Testament capitalized, it's that name. It's Yahweh. Yahweh. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I was who I was. That is a radical vision, isn't it? In other words, he is not controllable. He cannot be completely fit into the categories that we make God. He really isn't, well, he's God, he's, he's bigger than just a he. <laughs> a lot of us aren't used to that. God is far more than just who we think he is. And any time that somebody was to put an idol or an image of God, automatically we just think, okay, this is, just, this is who God is. And it could be an idol, or it could be a worldview that God always does this. Well, God does what he does, not what you think he always does. He's a wild God, untamable. And so any time that they could make an idol of him would shortchange who God truly is. Basically, any time that we make an image of God or an image of something else, we're looking to control our worship of God. If I, it comes back to that equation. If I do this, then God will do this. In our world, images of God that are idols... And we do. We struggle with this. Some people believe that God is American. <laughs> no joke, friends. Lord, help us if we think that God's American. <laughs> or maybe we think that God wants me to be happy and just excuses all the things that I do. God wants me to do what I want to do. 
or other images that we have of God just fall short of the great I am. So friends, this commandment is centered around this, okay? Idols or images of God are not to be made because they are attempts to locate and domesticate God in a controllable object. If you think God is only here in sanctuaries, you're wrong. God is everywhere. <laughs> if you think that he's only in this denomination or this belief, hold your horses there, friends. You can't domesticate them. Lastly, this third commandment I was taught is about swearing. Don't use bad language. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. And let's really be honest, four-letter words and those kinds of words generally are not constructive at all. Let's really be honest. We usually, if anybody uses those words, it's either A, they're mad or, or upset, and they're looking to hurt somebody, or we're just too lazy to come up with other words to say. They don't benefit anybody. But don't take the Lord's name in vain is not about dirty language. What it's about is taking God's name and using it in a way that God does not sanction, that God does not for. So really, the, here's, here, you want to hear what the greatest cuss word is? You ready for this? It's to say that God would damn something that he wouldn't. That's the greatest cuss word. But it also comes in the fact of, well, God, God only, God only works in this way, or God wants me to do it in this way, even though it's totally against what Jesus did. It's using God's name for our own purposes. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. It's like saying that, oh, God wants me to steal from my neighbor. No, he doesn't. God wants me to hurt my neighbor and go to war with them. No, he doesn't. God only blesses this kind of worldview. Does he? Do you know that for sure? Using the Lord's name in vain is using God for your own purposes to get your own way into the world. Or, in a, a better way of saying it is this. Using God's name for mischief is using God's name for a power or purpose that is not his own. That's what these three commandments truly mean. But do you notice that all three of these commandments, what are they about? They're about God and how we relate to God. All three of these commandments are based in who God is and how we are to approach him. And what we find out is that God is really hard to approach because he's untamable and he doesn't do the things that you and I always want. This God demands loyalty. You can't mix other ideas and worldviews with him. He's it. 
So what these first three commandments are truly about is that they're about God and accepting him fully as God. You can't manipulate God, friends. Amen. Because if God is manipulable, you know what that means? It means that whoever God's side is on will defeat you if you're not on his side. That's, guess what? Too many people who believe in Jesus believe that today. Too many people believe, well, we're on God's side, we're going to win. Now, God's on all of our sides. He loves every single one of us, and he wants us to have a new life in him. And the moment we begin to use God for our own devices or our own worldviews or our own politics or anything, you know what we begin to do? We begin to make an idol of God and we aren't worshiping God anymore. We worship who we want God to be instead of who he is. God cannot be put to use and is never a means toward an end, friends. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, you started this whole thing about freedom. I don't understand why God's identity in the first three commandments frees us from anything. Well, let's go back to the things that you and I believe we are free to do. You and I are free to believe what we want to believe. You and I are free to worship who we want to worship. You and I are free to do as we want. You and I are free to... Fill in the blank. Have our own careers, have our own spouses. All of these things. You and I are free to do these things. Guess what? When you have all of these freedoms, all of a sudden you start to realize that I have to make the decision about things. And I am molding my life in the way that I think it should be. And if you're doing that, then what you're doing is you're making yourself God. You're making yourself God when you do that. And what God is saying in these first three commandments is, hey, there's no other gods but me, and you can't use me for your own devices, and you can't domesticate me. There's a lot of good news in those statements when you contrast it with this belief that freedoms have no boundaries. What it means is that I, God am God, and you don't have to be. Because when you and I have all these freedoms to do what we want, we think that we have to be God. We think that we have to control the world. We think that we have to use God's name to sanction our bad behavior. When God says, you can't do that, I am God. And you are not. Be free from being your own God and be free to be my created, loved human. Be free from being human. These first three commands, friends, free us from being God and frees us to be human. Which means, friends, your values and how you're supposed to live your life and how to live a free life, it doesn't have to come from what I think up 
or it doesn't have to come from this talking point over here or this thing over here. It comes from God and God alone. And here's the good news. You can't control God. You can't. And neither can your neighbor. And neither can this person over here that we're afraid of. Nobody controls God. He is God alone. Rest in this freedom that we can look to something Someone far greater than any human on this earth for life, for freedom. You don't have to come up with your own moral conscience. It comes from God and God alone. Matt Pollack says this about the Ten Commandments. And I love this because it's, it's incredibly true. If you see the Ten Commandments as a commandment, you will not see the freedom that you receive from the Ten Commandments. Rather, the Ten Commandments is something different. When we come to the Ten Commandments, it might be helpful for us to begin to think of them as a creative act by God. Words that are spoken into being as a gift for the people of God, for our good. They are an instruction, a boundary, a rule of life by which people will be able to live and flourish in the land that God has given to the people. Ten Commandments, friends, are boundaries that free us to live the life God wants for us. Can you go back to the, the, the title slide? Look at this photo. You have, down the middle, a path, a wooden plank path. Do you know what's to the right or the left of that path? No clue. Maybe it's filled with snakes. <laughs> Maybe that's a marsh. If you've ever been in, in, in the southeast United States, these are everywhere. And if you don't follow it, you'll get into a marsh, and there are snakes in the marsh, but there's also alligators. This pathway gives you boundaries to live the freest life possible, the most abundant life possible. You ain't going to die if you follow the path. Do you see that? Friends, freedom isn't found in being able to do whatever we please and worship whoever we want to be. It's in receiving God and who he is and receiving his boundaries for new life today. So, what are you enslaved by, friends? Are you enslaved by goals and your own ways? Are you enslaved by things of this world that just never allow you to stop and rest? Are you enslaved by things, friends, that actually are to we're told that are freedom, but it's actually enslaving us? What gods do you have in your life? What worldviews or idols do you have that you hold on to of God? And you say, this is God, but God is far better than that. What things have you done? 
What words have you said to justify your actions even though they are not actions justified by God? If you can answer any of those questions, you will find the things that enslave you. God is inviting us, friends, to accept him completely, to accept his new life for us. Won't you begin the path that has boundaries of freedom? Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.